0: Welcome to the FBC Paris podcast, where we explore intersectional feminism through literature. Today, we're going to be speaking to a male author. That's quite exciting. It's the first time that that's happened on the FBC Paris, so something new for all of us. I have the pleasure of talking to Derek Owusu, who is an award winning writer and poet from North London. Derek's debut book, That Reminds Me, was published at the end of 2019. It's the story of a young man from birth to adulthood, told in fragments of memory. That Reminds Me explores questions relating to identity, belonging, addiction, sexuality, violence, family, and religion. It's a beautiful book, incredibly moving, incredibly honest, and it packs a real emotional punch in under 200 pages we do talk about mental health during the episode and addiction and trigger subjects so if this is something that you think could be triggering then maybe this isn't the episode for you otherwise i hope you enjoy hey derek thank you Hello. for coming on the fbc paris podcast
1: no respect for inviting me
0: you're actually the first male guest we've had so Welcome, and no pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, you're you're a brave one, that's for sure. Um, So, we're going to be talking a little bit today about your debut novel, That Reminds Me, which is just over a year old now, right?
1: Yes, that's right, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so. About 13 months.
0: Yeah, happy belated birthday for November. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's been released um it's your debut novel and it covers a whole range of topics from foster care identity and belonging sex and sexuality as well as mental health and everything that kind of encompasses um one's mental health Mm -hmm. i thought it was worth mentioning that this is not a memoir so i have the impression that there are pieces of of your truth and Mm -hmm. your life and your experience, but this is about K. It's not like 100%
1: memoir.
0: I also loved the format. It's, I think it's been described as novel in verse.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: Which gives it an incredibly like lyrical, rhythmic, poetic kind of feel, which is not something I read a lot, but absolutely loved it. Thank you. And final kind of piece of information Congratulations, because it won the Desmond Elliott Prize this year.
1: It did, yes, thank you.
0: That must have been a really nice feeling, I imagine.
1: Yeah, it was, it was quite shocking, actually. <laughs> yeah?
0: Oh, was it not? Okay, so was it one of those things that you kind of, like, your agent submits and you just forget about it?
1: Yeah, exactly. So I was just oh. told that, been submitted to some prizes. Um, and when I got longlisted, I was just, yeah, I was I was shocked.
0: That was already was, incredible, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So that was, that was a nice feeling. Um, when i went on to win it was just kind of like wow okay you kind of have this moment where you're just like damn so what's gonna happen now <laughs> <laughs> you know what, what did I mean?
0: happen what has no- happened nothing happened oh okay <laughs> well now you know um yeah exactly So that that's how it is well i mean i don't know this might be a weird comparison but i feel like weddings can be anti so maybe it's just one of those things that people always imagine. It's like bigger, but in the reality of your day-to-day life, yeah. it's great. But it's just one more thing that kind of happens in the whole yeah, this process.
1: is it. this is it. And what, one, of my, one of my friends did say to me that you think that nothing is happening, but behind the scenes, things may be happening for you and then they will come to fruition later. Um, Gosh, that was a wise friend. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because I was kind of, At point. there was a moment where I was kind of like, um, what's supposed to happen when you win an award in the literary world? Like, yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> um, and he just kind of no gave one me yeah, those for words. This stuff.
0: That, well, that's re- I think that was really nice advice and I think that rings quite true. I mean, I'm not a writer and I've never won a writing award, but um, it seems to make a lot of sense and it just feels comforting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that relaxed me a little bit. <laughs>
0: Good. Well, yeah, because that's the other thing. It could, like, suddenly put a ton of pressure on you and you're like, do Do I have to do something now? Like, do I have to win an award every time I do some writing? Um, okay, so...
1: That's how it feels, to be honest. <laughs>
0: oh, no, no, sorry. I didn't want to add to any um, pressure that you may already be putting on yourself. Um, <laughs> so it could be really useful for the listeners just if you could share a little bit with us about... How how that reminds me came to be in the world? The idea, writing, publishing deal, go.
1: Uh, sure, okay. <laughs> I'll try and make this as brief as possible. Um <laughs> so I started writing the book um in something called a recovery house, which mm-hmm. is kind of like um halfway between home and a mental health institution. Mm-hmm. I just had a, a, a breakdown and I'd been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Um, so I was there just kind of recovering, you know, they had nurses there and they give you your medication in the morning and stuff like that. Right. Kind of like we see in the, in the movies, but there was a lot more freedom to move around. Okay. Um, but I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to do anything. I just stayed in my room most of the time. Okay. Um, and, and, and while I was there, I was just... I just—I mean, I was writing before, mm-hmm. like, non, non-fiction and, I guess, kind of, like, just poetry for myself that I would read back sometimes. Okay. Um, but I just thought I wanted to start writing this story. Mm. Um. So, you know, it kind of started off as... I wanted to write, a, like, a long poem, basically, mm-hmm. with loads of different sections. So that that's how it started off. Um. And I was just really trying to, I guess, capture what I think would go into somebody developing BPD and then mm. having a, a breakdown, you know, because the, the, the disorder is not very well known. The doctors, psychologists, they don't really know much about it and mm. the um, absolute causes. But one thing they do know is that it usually develops through trauma in childhood. <clears throat> in okay. childhood, yeah. a lot of people who have been through the foster care system develop it in later life. Okay. <clears throat> um, and then obviously the, the symptoms and obviously it will manifest differently for different people, but mm. there are like nine Says symptoms that they usually say come with the disorder, so I wanted to put all of those things in the book and really just try to understand. So in 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 the novel, like the first seven years, because obviously as the I think it's a Jesuit truism, truism or something that the first give me the man for seven, give me the boy for seven years, I'll give you the man. Okay. Um. So I just kind of wanted to try and make that section really small, but can kind of hints to where the story would be going. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I just I just continue like that. So every day I would think, okay, this is what's going to happen to Kane next. This is what's going to happen next. This is an emotion that I want to capture on the page. This is a thought I want to capture on the, fa- on the page and all of those kind of things. And it just developed um, from there. So I would never sit down and force myself to write. Mm-hmm. I would write what I need to write, get up and do something else, then something else would come to me, okay. Let me let that marinate in my mind for a bit, you know, flesh itself out. Then mm-hmm. when it's ready, I just get this feeling in the back of my mind. Okay, it's ready. And then I'll just sit down and write it. The, the point where I got to a place that I was happy for it to be published as it was, I would say about a year and a half.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: it sounds like you're maybe not 100, like you still think they're, you could it's like not 100% it's the way that you said the point where I was happy to pass it on to someone else and allow it to be published
1: yeah no absolutely because you you'll you'll never you'll never be satisfied okay never ever be satisfied you know mm-hmm. sometimes so with with the hardback um I'm lucky I got the opportunity to do this I read it through again uh-huh. and I said to my editor you have to let me edit this again oh wow you have to let me change some things take some things out change words, and you have to let me do it Luckily, he said, fine. Nice. Um, so I edited it. I not only edited it, though, I added new, new sections to it. Um, but luckily, he was just like, look, Derek, it's fine. We can add those to it. Don't worry about it.
0: Nice. Nice. That's the yeah. kind of agent. So I'm much content. happier
1: with the paperback than I am with the hardback.
0: Oh, OK. Yeah, because I have the paperback. So I don't know the differences. Oh, um, yes. But I guess I have the more Thank God. complete. <laughs> version if you added bits to it so I feel very grateful for that <laughs> um, and this is actually you've signed a two book deal of which that reminds me is the first uh, book with murky books which is Stormzy's imprint right? Yes that's correct yeah. Which yeah. feels quite cool because Stormzy is obviously a huge deal in the UK. Yeah
1: yeah absolutely yeah he's, he's huge It's it's um yeah, it was quite through actually, and you know, and just to meet him and stuff, it, it just felt like all of these things were just happening around me, and I was just, I was just there to bear witness. Um, I felt like I couldn't really get involved with it. It was a strange sure. feeling.
0: Kind of. Yeah. Well, well, kind of like the machine was whirring around you, and you just yeah were kind of sat in a place at a particular time and signing what you needed to, and, and all that exactly. kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and Derek, if you don't mind me asking, Obviously with the caveat that, as you've said yourself, that every kind of mental health experience is, is unique and different. There isn't one unilateral experience. But when you talk about borderline personality disorder, what are the kind of um, common uh, themes or kind of like the nine um, patterns of behavior that, that helps, help, for example, for a, for a diagnosis?
1: So I think the main one that the doctors look for is a a long string of like short and like turbulent relationships. Okay. Um, and then there's the obvious fear of abandonment Mm Mhm. and there's self-destructive behaviors that can come Mm -hmm. in the form of binge drinking, drinking Mm -hmm. while driving, um, drugs, Mm -hmm. um, self harm as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. I mean, obviously those are a form of self-harm. I mean, I mean things like cutting, sorry. Mm,
0: yeah, I know what you mean, but self-harm in, in the way that it kind of comes up in the book. Yes. Uh, so physical kind of um, cutting. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. Um, and then there's suicidal ideation. Okay. There's um, impulsive behaviours. Um, there's something called uh, splitting, so black and white thinking, where okay. you're unable to see any grey areas of every, any situations. People are either all good or all bad.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Um, and you react based on that. And then there okay. is um, just unstable emotions, heightened, intense emotions that you have. It feels like you have no control over. Okay. Um, there's two more, but those are the ones that I can remember. Like, mm-hmm. Based on myself, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. you frame each of the five sections. So there's five sections: awareness, reflection, change, construction, acceptance. Mm-hmm. And each of these five sections is preceded by a gorge, like a, a really nice illustration um, of a spider. And the spider's web becomes more intricate um, between the first and the and the fifth section of the book. And there's also a very short kind of appeal or one-sided conversation with um, Anansi, who I had to look up um, and I was told by the internet that Anansi is um, a well-known figure within West African, uh, African-American and Caribbean folklore. Um, and he is basically the um, the kind of, god of stories. He's a bit of a trickster. The reason for the spider is that he often takes the form of a spider. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wonder if you could maybe share a bit more about um, why you wanted to, uh, why you chose to include this detail, uh, this element of folk law culture, and, and what's your personal history? Like, is that something that you grew up kind of being told these stories?
1: So yeah, I, I wanted to include Anansi because I, I needed something very immediate and I guess fulfilling for me to mm-hmm. be in the book referencing Ghanaian culture. Yeah. And I was always going, for me that was always going to be Anansi the Spider. So at, at the beginning he was actually a character um, yeah. in the book. Um, and then obviously I discussed with my editor and he was like, you know, I think this would be better if. He is kind of a character in the book, but not like one that you can interact with. Yeah. Um, and it was like that at first anyway, because I wanted to kind of Nancy to embody the culture that Kay is trying to reach. He's trying mm. to reach out to this culture. Yeah. Um, but also in the sense of his abandonment of Christianity, there needed to be, I guess, kind of like a parallel. So of course in Christianity, they say the way to get through God is through Christ. My parallel I wanted to be in order for him to talk to Nyame who is the sky god in a mm. shanty culture, he had to go through a nancy okay. um and then obviously it's just the whole kind of like you know you talk to God every night every day, and there's the fear and the upset that comes from thinking that he he she they are not listening yeah. to what it is you have to say yeah and that was that was while trying to um get going in the kind of like yeah those those passages they're kind of like yeah like prayers to a Nazi like Mm. this is what's happened to me and again it's 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 a plea as well you know kind of like can you hear my suffering like I'm suffering and where where are you yeah like a
0: crying out kind of yeah
1: yeah absolutely that um so yeah 100% I wanted him to be um I'm in there um and yeah I just I really just wanted to I guess just you know just represent my you know my culture where it's I'm I'm, I'm coming from Yeah. yeah Be-
0: be- because for context, you 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 yourself uh, went through like have a foster expe- a foster care experience. Yes. Um, and I don't know if yours is the same as in the book, but um, in the book, Kay has a, a I think what some would describe as a positive experience uh, because foster care can so often uh, we can hear the other side. Um, of that experience, but there was, um, a cultural kind of, uh, disjoint because the, your, the K sorry, Kay's foster parents were white mm-hmm. and they lived in the countryside. Mm-hmm. So there was just this complete disconnect from the original kind of Ghanaian, uh, culture.
1: Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I, I'm the same. I was, I was in foster care yeah, okay. uh, for, for about seven, seven eight years. Yeah. Um, foster parents but why um I wouldn't say i mean I had a like i like you actually said you know compared to a lot of other experiences, you know my time in foster care and so I wanted to portray case time mm. in foster care was was okay you know um you read a lot of I've read a lot of novels or stories and it's just really, really sad the time that they have in foster care but mm. one thing I wanted to convey is that just because you have a okay time or good time in foster care the fact you've been fostered in the first place yes. is going to have a psychological impact on you as you grow older yeah it's not always about how you're treated there. it's just the fact no. that it's actually happened
0: absolutely
1: and yeah the, and the culture shock as well you know my my personal culture shock wasn't I mean it wasn't as as, as, as bad as case because obviously you, you're writing something that you want to mm-hmm. I guess resonate with people and and I guess kind of get them in their feelings. <laughs> yeah, you I mean? do that so now, really uh, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, right, particular things. Um, but for me, it was it was more about just seeing like loads of Ghanaians around me for the first time. That was just like, whoa, my God! Like everybody's Ghanaian, you know, the, the the difference in having to um, eat with your hands and stuff like mm. that, or not having this kind of um, this organized middle class dinner time, it's tea time, everybody's tea time and then somebody's ringing a bell or something and then you <laughs> run downstairs to the table. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's, it's just weird. kind of yeah.
0: regimented life structured around meals, yeah.
1: Ex- exactly, you mm. know, and then when I came to Tottenham in London, it was just kind of like, your mum would just ask, are you hungry? <laughs> <laughs> and you just say yes or no, you know? Uh,
0: yeah, okay, mm. Yeah, I, I can totally eat right different. now.
1: yeah. Totally different, yeah, so those little things. Um, mm. But
0: it's lots of little things that kind of make up the big thing, isn't it? So they may sound small in isolation, but together the whole thing is just like, wow, it's a little bit overwhelming.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Kay ends up going back to his actual, like, blood mother.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And it's another way that you've got your readers in the fields because... um, I don't know, I think when I was reading it, I just felt overwhelmingly that Kay didn't have a lot of, um, kind of, parental affection and role models, you could say. Um, Kind of positive older influences in his life. But Kay himself is so incredibly loving and clearly wants affection, wants to be shown affection. and he's really supportive of his mother when the dad walks out, and when the mother is pregnant with his younger brother, he, yeah, he really looks after his mum, and he ends up looking after a lot after his uh, after his younger brother, uh, like picking, dropping off, picking up at school, just kind of being almost the the positive role model that Kay himself never had. Mm.
1: Um.
0: How, like, how much of that is, is your truth?
1: I have, I have a great relationship with my mum. My like, I love oh, my mum cool. to, to bits. Um, she's like my best friend. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and um, in terms of my dad, yeah, we have a working relationship.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, not, it's not the same as my my mum's. Mm. But yeah, uh, me and my brother, we, yeah, we went through some rough times at the beginning, um, but we're, we're, we're okay now. I think the way that I wrote Kay's relationship with his brother, was almost like how I wished mine was with my brother.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Because okay.
1: you know, I, I look back sometimes and think, I wish I did this for him, I wish I was there for him when this happened, Do you know what I mean?
0: But you were going through your own stuff.
1: I was, yeah, I was like you could
0: uh, you had to be there for yourself as well.
1: It's true, yeah. I mean you I mean consciously I know this but you still Of course kind of feel like, damn, I wish I could have, you know, um how
0: much of yeah. an age what's the age difference between you and your brother? Eleven years. That's quite that's quite big. It is quite like big. Like you're exactly. different people, aren't you? Like you're an adult when he's just kind yeah. of becoming a teenager. Yeah, yeah. And you know so so much more. And he probably didn't want to hear it. He
1: didn't care. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> like yeah, like we were probably. Um yeah. you know. Um Kay also gets a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder and it seems to come or like how I read it was that it comes as quite a relief to him because it's it's kind of like the the pieces slotting into the the jigsaw puzzle but Kay is also someone who is incredibly self-aware and having listened to a couple of podcasts that you've been a guest on um I would say that you are also incredibly self-aware and so when the the diagnosis comes through for Kay he there's this I made a quote he meant there's a reference to like the bodies lying drained piled up on the path to his office this news has come too late Kay basically seems to kind of think about the impact of of his um But borderline personality disorder, the kind of the impact that's had on the people around him, the people close to him. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I, I think that asking for help is just a scary thing to do for many people in general. Do you feel, Derek, like you've arrived at a place where you feel comfortable asking for help if you sense that you need it? Or like, what are the support networks that you've built up? Because I have the impression that you have a lot of people around you who love you and support you and you know even like medical professionals like how how has that journey been for you and the support networks that you have in place?
1: Yeah it's it's been hard um I wouldn't say I'm completely at ease with asking for help it's it's still very hard for me Mm -hmm. um luckily there are people around me who are now equipped to pick up the signs right yeah they will reach out to me and a lot of the time it's no longer just uh are you okay how are things it's if I don't hear from Derek in 24 hours, I'm going to turn up at his doorstep. And that's what happens okay. a lot of the time. Okay. Um, okay. You know, and I think for a lot of people that might sound like excessive, but I mean, a five minute drive to someone's house just to make sure that they're still there. Um, to me anyway, isn't, isn't a big deal. And obviously to my friends, it's no longer a big deal either. I would do the same thing at this point as well. Yeah. Cause you just kind of, you know, once you've gone through particular things, you realize that, a lot of us are bloody lazy you know when it comes to checking in on our friends and stuff like that we we, we act like certain things take more effort than they actually do right um and i'll I tell you what a, a life is worth a, a lot of effort mm. a person a friend's life is worth a lot of effort so yeah um yeah so i do have i do have some 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 good people around me um yeah i also have like a kind of a crisis line as well so mm-hmm. if i'm having a crisis i can literally just call them yeah Anytime they'll talk to me um if they need to they'll they'll come to the house um okay and things like that and you know we have the nhs over here that i'm sure you're familiar with um, yeah 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 and they're, they're they're great they're 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 amazing um yeah. you know i've been to see them a couple of times and they always always very supportive yeah always yeah um okay. but it's, it's 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 still a journey you know and i've started to really trying to emphasize this because because I've written this book I think some people may feel like I've purged myself mm. of these kind of things but I'm, I'm still on the same journey you know I'm not I'm not a mental health expert at all I no. can just speak from my own experiences yeah the way I see things
0: I think I think what you said about the kind of just kind of Driving, you know, down the street or getting on a bus or a tube to go and check in on a friend. Yeah, I, I don't find that excessive either. I just think of that as loving and caring. And that is what you do for the people, yeah, who, who matter to you. So, um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so I read in an interview that you describe the inspiration behind writing that reminds me as, quote, a desire to understand myself better what would you say you know about yourself today or when the book was released and um, that you didn't necessarily know before you started writing the book
1: that <clears throat> I'm never going to remember everything accurately ever um, okay because I because I was trying to I guess take small elements, um, small moments from my life, and then wrap kind of fiction around it. Mm. I realized that <clears throat> because I was really trying to hone in. Every time I went back to think about something, it would it would be different, okay. and I'll be, become confused as to what actually happened. Right. Um, that's one thing I learned. So yeah, just trying to. I guess really try and understand the past, I feel like it's just yeah. it's an impossible task to be honest with you. I don't think you can because it, it's just, as soon as it's happened, once you recall it, it changes. Yeah. Um. So I kind of made peace with that because I was, I mean, I'm obsessed with memories and, and how we think about the past, how the past affects us, you know, how we use it to shape our future. So I'm really uh, obsessed with that. And false memories especially. Mm-hmm. Really, um, really interest me, and you know how they can, they can come about. So yeah, I think that's that would happen. I I don't feel like um. I understand myself better. I feel like after writing the book, I know after writing the book, I had a better understanding of what people around me potentially had to go through, because ah. when I was trying to write those verses mm. that capture not just what's happening with K, but how he's affecting other people. Mm. I had to think to myself, I wonder how I'm affecting other people. You know, I wonder how this, person's, uh, this person feels or that person feels, you know. And what I ended up doing is that I tried to contact a lot of people who, because again, one of the things with BPD is that if you feel someone's going to abandon you or you feel mm. a slight, or you've misunderstood something, you panic and you cut them off. So there was okay. a lot of people who were like good friends of mine, something's happened or I, in my mind I think they've said or done something rude to me or something yeah. and I just say I, I can't talk to you anymore and I just stopped talking to them. So I reached out to a couple of people and I just apologized and I said look I'm, I apologize I think this is what's going on with me. Some of them came back and said I knew something was wrong with you because this, this doesn't make any sense. Why yeah. did you? <laughs> it wasn't you,
0: it was so out of character. Yeah it was like yeah. so
1: out of character. Um, mm. But they like, but I just didn't want to intrude. I didn't want to say anything. Um, oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Which I can understand too. I think that's such a nice yeah. response that they let you come to the realization yourself. And when you reached out, they were just like, oh, you know, they obviously appreciated that gesture so much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, yeah. and so a couple of them, like, I'm with we're friends again now. You
0: know? Oh, I love so. that. When you were writing the book or when you're kind of even coming on a podcast or just having to talk about, you know, mental health um, or write about self-harm or suicidal feelings and thoughts, how, how do you protect you? How do you make sure that you're okay, you're not triggered?
1: Um, you know, I think just being triggered is just going to be, it's just part of it. And of course, I mean, I'm human, I'm going through this. I, I get triggered. You know, there's times where I'll go home and I'll literally just sit at my table and I'm just thinking about something somebody's told me or something mm. that I've read. And um, but I just have to deal with it. I just have to. And that's not me saying that everybody has to just deal with it if they're sure. triggered. Absolutely not. But that's just me. I just feel like I've decided to do this. I've decided on this career path, you know, I want to be able to talk so other people will talk. I want to be able to have conversations with people where they can tell me what they want. I don't want to be a, someone come up to me and start talking to me about what they're going through. I can help them, but I just say to them, please, you're triggering me right now. Yeah. I'd rather just take that, be triggered, and give them something that could potentially help them. You okay. Know?
0: Yeah. Well, That's
1: just my personal. Um, yeah opinion, my personal take on it, so yeah.
0: Second book, Brother... So it's called Teaching My Brother to Read. So it's going to be another uh, non-fiction and it sounds like it's going to be another emotional one. Thanking you in advance. Um, But can we hear a little bit more about that? Um, What what exactly is Teaching My Brother to Read? And is there money involved? Because there may be.
1: (laughs) <laughs> um, I wanted to get my brother into reading. I really wanted him to.
0: You love that.
1: Take the same journey that I did, a lot earlier than I did, because I started reading when I was in my twenties. I wanted him to start much younger, but it just didn't take He just didn't really like it. So yeah. I said to him, "Okay, let's let's create a product because he's really wanted to do something like extracurricular. He wanted to do like a podcast or music or something." I said, "Let's uh-huh. do a podcast where we read twelve books and then we talk about them." And I said, "You give me." Your interpretation from it, like where you are in your life right now, what you're doing. Because yeah. obviously, he wasn't doing very good things at the time.
0: Okay, okay. I,
1: and I, I said, I'll give you the you know, classical interpretation of this book. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The, the generally accepted one. <laughs> um, and we, we'll meet in the middle and come to our own joint conclusion about it. Yeah. And he still, still umming and ahhing. And I said, Look, I'll, I'll give you 50 quid per book. And he's like, all right then, let's do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm in. I'm in. And um, yeah, he was in. And so yeah, so that that was that was what we were gonna do. But unfortunately, you know, the book's been put on hold for ah. um for a while. Yeah, just because of the lockdown and everything. Of I, course, I, I, yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't write. I was literally just literally. couldn't write. Yeah. Um, my brother lost his job, so he was just not interested in reading the books, no matter how much money I paid him. <laughs> okay. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, life so, I
0: mean life basically. Life got in the way. Like this Yeah. No exactly. one was prepared for this. Okay, so it's yeah. kind of on hold a little bit, but but you and your brother are doing okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're we we're, we're doing good now. Yeah, we're we're on very good terms. You know, I'm always checking in on him, he's always checking in on me, so no, no, it's 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 great. I mean, even if the project doesn't doesn't happen the way mm. I wanted it to, the relationship with my brother is is been developed anyway.
0: Okay. That is kind of the most important as much as I would love to read, yeah. teach my brother <laughs> to read. It's good that you two are more solid. Have mm-hmm. you been able to read this year? I know it's been complicated for some people for obvious reasons. Um, do you have any recommendations for, for the FBC?
1: Um, I have been able to read a little bit. Good, um, cool. I've been reading a lot of poetry. Um, uh, recommendations, I would say Yeah, so a poetry collection called Breadfruit by Malika Booker. And another one called Pepper Seed, um, which are great. Then there's Poor by Caleb Femi, which is uh, another great collection. Um, In terms of what I've not released this year, but An American Marriage. I read that this year.
0: Oh, yeah. And
1: Tiare Jones. Yeah. Great novel. Did you like,
0: Okay, you loved it.
1: Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Um, okay. I read that back to back with If Bill Street Could Talk by James Baldwin.
0: <gasps> oh my gosh, I so want to read that. Have you watched the movie?
1: I couldn't. I read the book. Yeah, I started I the movie, and the I just movie. thought I couldn't watch it.
0: Oh really? Like just nah. too much.
1: Yeah, I, ju- I yeah. think because I just my imagination had created this world, and it was oh, disrupting yeah. that world, so I just stopped watching it.
0: Yeah. Did you watch Moonlight? It's the same producer.
1: I did. Oh, I love me like,
0: quater- it's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, <sighs> I, I love that movie. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Derek. Um, thank you. It's been really nice to chat um, and to hear more about this fantastic book, um, and just really excited to see what happens next for you. Thank
1: you. Thank you very much for having
0: yeah, me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for listening to the episode and thanks once again to Derek for being so generous with his time. Head to the show notes to find links uh, to buy That Reminds Me as well as other books mentioned during our discussion. I'd also like to point out that you can find a link to Calm, one of the resources that Derek mentioned during our chat. Take care of yourselves, see you soon, bye.